0: Good morning, Greater Alton. How's everybody doing this beautiful day? Good deal. Anyway, we begin today a new series. If you noticed in your bulletin, we've entitled it, "Fear Fearanoia. Okay, I guess that's kind of like a double dose of fear. Fear and paranoia combined. Maybe that means you're paranoid of fear. I don't know. But guys, when you think about fears and phobias... They cover the full gamut, don't they? I mean, they are all over the board. I didn't bother to research them all because they cover everything possible. You know, we were talking in the teacher service because they just talk back to me when you start talking. And there was a lady in there who says she's claustrophobic. And I made the comment, and I said, well, that doesn't really affect you on a daily basis. She says, no, it doesn't. Then another gentleman says he has arachnophobia. He's afraid of spiders. I said, well, that doesn't really affect you on a regular basis, does it? And he goes, yes. Every time I go into the bathroom, then I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe your bathroom's in the basement, you know, and it's dark and dingy. No, it's a pretty nice bathroom, his girlfriend said. And so, guys, we have we have fears. We have fears. I think about... Uh, I don't know why I think about this, but the opening scene and the closing scene from uh, the movie Pretty Woman has a either a homeless person or a pimp. I'm not sure which. And he's talking about dreams. And he says, everybody in Hollywood's got a dream. What's your dream? You remember that? And I feel that same way about fears right now. Everybody has fears. What are your fears? Okay. What are your fears? I have a microphone here. And I thought about walking around down in the crowd while I did this. And asking who is afraid that I'm going to give you this microphone and make you speak? There's some hands over here, right? Yeah. And I'm guessing now who was afraid to raise their hand, afraid I'd pick you. You know? And guys, fears influence our decisions and our actions. That is the truth of the matter. And we want to take a look at this because I am just amazed as I continue to live life and continue experiencing life and work harder and harder than I did when I was younger to truly follow Jesus, I understand that fear is a factor. It is a factor in how closely I follow Jesus and if indeed I'm going to follow Jesus. I read a book a few years ago, and it said that, do not be afraid, and the many variations of that is the most repeated command in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Be strong and courageous. It's in there over 600 times. And guys, I believe you see fear at every turn. Alan was up here talking about the Israelites when they were led out of Egypt. And I mean they had no idea for sure what was coming up. You know, and the next thing you know, I mean they just seen God do these miraculous things and lead them out in a powerful way, and then all of a sudden they get pinned between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army and they're scared. What have you done? Moses brought us out here to be killed in the desert? Even though they just saw everything God did, what's wrong? They're afraid. Later on, after they make it across the Red Sea and have this tremendous party, and later on they're in the wilderness and they're hungry. And they say, did you lead us out here to starve? Now they're afraid they're going to starve to death. And guys, it is the constant enemy of our faith is fear. And it just pops up and sometimes it's rational sometimes it's irrational but guys it's something we we need to pay attention to now if you look in your notes <clears throat> let me before you look in your notes let me just ask you to think of what are you afraid of no i'm not talking the phobias of you know that, that may or may not ever come into play in your life you know if you're afraid of flying how often do you have to fly you know um But what are you afraid of? Do you recognize things you're afraid of? You know, are you afraid of being left alone? Either through divorce or death? You know, are you afraid of going broke? Okay? Afraid you'll go to college and fail? Afraid you'll start a business and fail? Afraid? What fears do you have? And I'm gonna get more into this as we, as we, as we, as we talk. But guys, I want you, I ask that question because if you don't identify your fears, you may have a hard time facing them. Or you may have the difficulty of seeing how they influence you. The most clear example I have from our culture of someone whose their fear impacts them, and you probably know of others, but is the, uh, former football coach and commentator john madden it was interesting i I talked in the teacher service and nobody was it was a small group i'll say that and a young group and nobody knew that john madden was afraid of flying did you know that he retired from coaching after he took the oakland raiders to the super bowl and they won the super bowl and he had some some heart issues and so he decided uh he was going to quit being a coach. I guess his doctors advised him of that. And so he became a commentator. He was announcing football games. But he had a problem, you know, needing to be in a new city every week. He was afraid of flying. And he had this incredible tour bus that he drove. And it was just common knowledge over the years. Thanksgiving Day, he'd be doing the game, and they'd show the Thanksgiving dinner laid out uh, in his in his tour bus. One of my favorite scenes from football was one time, you know, he's the guy that did the teleprompter where you could circle things on the screen and show where people were going, what they were doing. And they had a turkey that he was, he was had for, uh, this has nothing to do with fear, but I gotta share it. He had a turkey that he was gonna, you know, they were gonna eat after the game for their turkey dinner, and the turkey had six legs on it. You know, they'd taken extra legs and pinned to it, and he says, now you see, That big breast on that—they need to have—it has a big breast because it's got to support six legs. Regular turkeys only got four. You know, regular turkeys got two, by the way. (laughs) Thought you all figured that out. But guys, it was—it was a situation where very clearly his fear impacted his actions, and they impacted his actions on an ongoing basis, literally for decades. And guys, that's what fear does. If you look in your notes, I looked up in the dictionary, a uh, definition of fear. And it says, Fear, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. Whether the threat is real or imagined. The feeling or condition of being afraid. guys if you want to circle something there fear is real whether the threat is real or imagined and i've heard that one of the my things i've heard from years ago was, you know how you define fear they use the the word as an you know each letter of the word as an acronym and it says false expectations appearing real and you know the truth is a lot of the things that we're afraid of ain't never going to happen you're never going to have to deal with, but guys, fear is imp- it's it, it, that's what it is—a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain. It go on. I looked at some other definitions, and it says something that causes feelings of dread or apprehension, anticipation of the possibility that something unpleasant will occur. See, guys. And I think it's significant that you look at a definition like that when we talk about fear. And I think it's also important that you look at acronyms, not acronyms, synonyms for fear. Okay? Because we use other words to describe what is really fear, don't we? Okay? The most popular one I see is the word insecurity. You've heard that over the years, right? I'm just insecure... I'm insecure. And it's interesting, when we started looking at that, because I started looking at it because it was a buzzword around here, and I used it. And so I started thinking, I believe the Bible talks about everything and applies to everything in my life. What's the Bible have to say about insecurities? It doesn't use the word. You don't find the word insecurities in the Bible. So I started looking at people in the Bible and thinking of, who in the Bible would you describe as insecure? Moses? Anybody else? Saul? The old one or the new one? The old one. Yeah, King Saul is who came to my mind, and that's who we're going to be talking about today. Hey guys, uh, I mean insecurity. Now, interesting when you look at the definition of insecurity. What does it say? Subject to fears, doubts, not self-confident or assured, anxious. Okay, other synonyms are timidity, lack of confidence in ourselves, anxiety, concern, dread, panic, and worry. And you see guys, when you look at all those things and you want to try to define what is a fear in your life, I believe all those things, anxiety, insecurity, fear, worry in my opinion, are characterized by one thing, and that is excessive thought. They dominate your, th- your thought process. Alan and I have had multiple conversations about things taking over our thoughts. You know, one of our struggles is we like to visualize ourselves on, on trial and having to defend ourselves over something. Is that Like... <laughs> But you find yourself consumed with it. You find it dominating. Okay, there's a reason we do it. Okay, guys? That, that's, that's what it is. But guys, when you look at fear, there's, there's two things we want to look at in the Bible before we dig into looking at Saul. And the first was in Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind you see guys Aaron was baptized the other night now the most incredible amazing part about that to me is the gift of the holy spirit he received the holy spirit cuz it is an amazing gift yes his sins were forgiven okay and that is part of that gift i understand that i'm not trying to minimize that in any way but the holy spirit just continues to amaze me it is you are given when you decide you want to follow jesus and you are baptized You received His Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And what this passage says is, that spirit is not a spirit of fear. Okay? That's not what it is. You go on, you look at this next passage. This is in Luke chapter 1. It's talking about Jesus. And it says, To rescue us from the hand of our enemies, and to enable us to serve Him without Fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all of our days. Now let me ask you something. If Jesus came to this earth and was crucified for us and rose from the dead again for us, and part of the reason He came was so that we could worship Him or serve Him without fear, and after He left... He sent a Spirit to live inside of us that is not a spirit of fear. What does that say about our fears? They're not from God. That's their first blanks there. When I feel fear, it's not coming from the Holy Spirit. It's not coming from the Holy Spirit. It's coming from somewhere else. I believe that fear in the life of a believer has only one purpose. And that is it gives you a growth opportunity. It gives you the opportunity for your faith to grow, for you to trust God instead of being afraid. Now that doesn't say that what you're afraid of won't happen. You need to understand something. And guys, this is what we are called. When you made a decision to follow Jesus, you were saying, I have faith in You, Jesus. I have faith that the God of the universe sent You. I believe it. I believe that my sins are forgiven because You died on the cross. I believe You resurrected from the grave. And because of that, I will one day too resurrect from the grave. Even though you cannot prove these with empirical proof, you couldn't go to a court of law and prove it with forensic evidence, you believe it. That's what faith is. In Hebrews 11, it tells us that faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you can't see. Second Corinthians 5, it tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. Romans 2 tells us that the righteous live by faith. And then also in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, guys, I want to offer up to you, and you, you notice the title of this lesson, and it's Fear Versus Faith. And that's really the thesis of this whole series for the month. Okay? Because they are polar opposites. You, your fears are challenging your faith. The way it says verses, it's just like a boxing match. And I don't care who you are, you will. And I'll get more into this. Your faith, no matter how long you follow Jesus, is going to be challenged by fears. It's going to be challenged by fears that cause you to doubt. Jesus, are you, I, I worry about money? Why? Because I said I trust you. You've told me you'll provide for me. and Yet I have the fear. So I have an opportunity. When I'm afraid that God isn't going to provide, I have the choice to kill my worries and to put a smile on my face and to trust that God is going to do something in a very amazing way. That's what we're dealing with here, guys. (coughs) Excuse me. I've got one other thing there, one other blank there I want to talk about, or the working definition of fear for our series, is whatever influences/slash controls my thoughts and actions. I have that in there. I don't know how many of you, as I've talked about fears and how dangerous it is, how many of you thought, aren't we told to fear God? Nobody thought. Great, guys. We are. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Oh, what are you telling me? You know, I'm not supposed to fear, and it's contrary. It's not from God, but yet I'm supposed to fear God. See, guys, you need not understand. Your fears desire to control you. Okay, God does not desire. He, he wants you to do what He wants. <laughs> He does not desire to control you because He could do it. (laughs) He could do it. And so guys, you need to understand that. We're looking at what is going to control us. Something is going to influence every decision you make. Every thought you have. And you have a choice whether it's going to be your faith or fear. Now what we want to look at, we want to look at King Saul in the Old Testament, which you can find his story in 1 Samuel uh, basically the whole book of 1 Samuel. I encourage you to read it. Um, you can actually pick up in about chapter 8 or 9 to get just the story of King Saul. I encourage you to start in the beginning so you get the background of King Saul. But basically what's going on with King Saul in his life is that Israel does not have a king at this time. They've never had a king. They've had prophets. They've had judges. Samuel right now is literally leading and pointing the people towards God. And he appoints his sons to do the same thing he's doing, but they don't have the character he has. They're not godly men. And so the people say, we want a king. Yes, us a king. More specifically, they say, we want a king so we can be like the other nations. Okay? Something you all listen to, teenagers, okay, when it comes to being like everybody else. Because later on, after he appoints them a king, he goes, you've done something very evil wanting to be like everybody else and wanting a king. Even though I've given it to you, that's what you are. They want a king. And so God tells Samuel, I've picked the king. Go anoint him king. And so Saul is this guy. Saul is just a, a guy that's helping his family and their family business. And they lose some donkeys and him and a servant go and look for the donkeys and they can't find the donkeys so they try to find the local prophet who happens to be Samuel to ask him where the donkeys were. They tell him, the donkeys have been found. Now your father's worried about you. Samuel invites him to a big meal, spend, has him spend the night. And the next morning he says, send your servant on. I want you to tell you something. A message, I need to deliver a message from God. And he tells him, he takes some oil, anoints him with head, and basically tells him, you have been anointed the ruler of Israel. Now like, in, like most stories in the Bible, God tells people what they're going to do, but they don't just go do it the next day. So he goes home, goes about his business. one of the things the, the prophet Samuel told him is when you get home or you're on your way home some prophets are going to come out and they're going to be prophesying and the holy Spirit is gonna, or the spirit is the spirit of God is going to come upon you and you're going to prophesy and you will be changed into a new person and it happens just like Samuel says and then later on it goes he goes on and uh, Israel gets in trouble. One of the, the foreign nations that's oppressing them takes captive a certain town. They get word of it. When word of it gets to Saul, it says the Spirit of, the God, of God came upon him powerfully. And he got angry. And he goes off and leads the nation. He rallies the fighting men. And they free their brothers and sisters from the oppression of this foreign nation. Then a little more time goes by and it's time to appoint their king. And so they call the whole nation together and they, 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 they have a selection process and all of a sudden there's 12 tribes and his tribe is chosen and then his clan is chosen and then his family is chosen and then his name's called and they can't find him. He is hiding in the baggage. I'm just thinking, you know, the idea of being king of this nation terrified him a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And guys, you go on through the life of Saul, and we're going to be looking at key moments as we talk about this. Fear characterized his kingship. It characterized his life to the very end. And guys, I believe he is the case study for fear. You want to know the danger of fear? And also overcoming it. We're gonna look at this real quick here, okay, guys? Uh first thing we want to look at in a case study of King Saul is he began his kingship with the Holy Spirit leading him. Okay? He began his kingship with the Holy Spirit leading him. In first Samuel chapter ten and verse six, I've already told you about this. This is where Samuel's talking to Saul. This is what he says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. 1 Samuel chapter 11, and verse 6, it says, When Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he burned with anger. You see, guys, this is how Saul started his kingship. He is told. God's gonna change you into a new person when His Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then later on, the Holy Spirit comes upon Him powerfully again when there's a problem. And it moves Him to take action. And God delivers a powerful, compelling victory. Because He's listening to the Holy Spirit. And that's how Saul started His kingship. There's a blank line there with three stars. And what I want you to write in there is just that I received the Holy Spirit when I first believed. You see, you need to understand if you made a decision that you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, to accept His offer of salvation and to be baptized, you have received the Holy Spirit to dwell in your life. To dwell inside of you. Now, I don't know if... The 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 benefits that we have in receiving the Holy Spirit are exactly the same as what Saul had. I don't know if he had it indwelling in him or if he just had it available to him. I, I, I can't answer all those questions, but I can tell you something very clearly, guys, and that is the purpose of that Spirit in his life was the same as the purpose in our lives. And that purpose is Transformation. That's what it said in Saul's life. It says, He will change you into a new person. And that is exactly what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life right now. if you read the book of Acts and the New Testament, transformation, renewal, restoration, new creation are constantly talked about. I mean, they, it is a repeating theme Over and over and over again. And guys, that is the role of the Holy Spirit. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that when Jesus comes back and we are all resurrected from the dead, our lowly bodies are going to be transformed. And we'll be, we'll we'll have the Holy Spirit in its fullness. But it tells us elsewhere that right now that Holy Spirit is just a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You see, guys, we have the ability to be transformed into a new person through the Holy Spirit the same way Saul did. Okay? Specifically, he wants to transform us into being more like Jesus. Alright? Second thing. King Saul chose to yield to his fears. Last week, Nathan did a wonderful job telling us about what it looks like to yield. Talking about signs in our life. He talked about the yield sign on the side of the road. And he talked about yielding means surrendering. We all choose that. The thing we need to realize is we're going to surrender or yield to either our fears or our faith. You are going to yield to one or the other. Look at this in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. It's not in your notes. It says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you're your slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You look at these passages here in your notes in 1 Samuel 13 and 15. It says, Saul remained at Gilgal and all the troops were quaking with fear. First Samuel 15 and 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men and so I gave in to them. Sandwiched between those two passages is First Corinthians, or excuse First Samuel 14. And what you find in there is everybody's afraid, including him and only his son Jonathan is brave enough to go out and confront the enemy. Go on to chapter 16 and what do you find? You find them all being afraid of Goliath. Until a little runt kid comes up named David to take care of Goliath for him. Guys, there are, there are fear. He yielded to fear instead of to his faith. Guys, I want to let you know that I face the same choice. That's that next blank there on your notes. I face the same choice. And so do you. You have a choice of whether you're going to listen to your fears or whether you're going to listen to your faith. Are you going to be influenced by your fears? Are you going to be influenced by your faith? Guys, that's what Galatians 5 here talks about. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. You see, guys, if you're a follower of Jesus and you received the Holy Spirit when you were baptized, then you're faced with a choice. Okay? And that is whether you're going to walk by this Spirit or you're going to walk by whatever comes naturally to you, which means you will bow down and surrender to your fears. That is the choice that you have. Now I want to add something there very clearly. Not everybody has that choice. Do you know that? Not everybody has that choice. When Aaron got baptized up here Tuesday night... Before his baptism, he didn't have that choice. The Holy Spirit was not available to him. He hadn't received the gift of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't walk in the Spirit. And now, he has the ability to choose whether he's going to live a life of sin or whether he's going to be, live a life walking with the Spirit. Because what this passage tells you is, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't sin. You see, guys, that choice is a gift. And guys, if you walk out of here with anyone today, I want you to know, you have a choice. Your fears don't have to dominate you. You don't have... How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I had to do this. No, you didn't. You chose to do this. And I think if you look closely at a lot of those situations... They feared. They feared somebody else's response. They feared somebody's reaction. They feared what somebody would think. So they had to do this. Third thing, guys, we want to talk about Saul is that fear gave evil a place of powerful influence in his life. This passage here in 1 Samuel 16, I believe, wraps this up very clearly. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command His servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will... Feel better. Guys, this verse really sums up Saul's life. (laughs) He chose to listen to his fears, so the Spirit of God said, you ain't listening to me, I'm leaving. I'm done. And in its place came an evil spirit that influenced him the rest of his life. Now guys, just a side note. I want to throw out here real quick. When they were talking about, hey, his servants were telling him, hey, clearly you're being tormented by an evil spirit from God, so let's find somebody that can play some pretty music, and it'll make you feel better. I want to let you know that worked. Okay, you go on, read the story yourself, you'll find out that David came in, ironically, played the harp for him, played music, and it says the evil spirit would leave him and he would feel better. Okay, that did work for a short time. It didn't work permanently because there was a time later on where David's playing the harp, you know. Saul should be nice and safe. And it says the Spirit came forcefully or violently upon him. And he tried to pin David to the wall with a spear. And I guys, I bring that up because I just want to tell you, you can find things to make you feel better without following Jesus. Okay? I believe that's what drugs and alcohol, what they're root of. They make people feel better. And there are other things that you can make yourself feel better. Shopping and buying things can make you feel better. Eating donuts and drinking Mountain Dew can make me feel better. Okay? A big bank account can make me feel better. You wouldn't know? (laughs) It's temporary. That's all I can tell you. That's a side note, guys. But guys, fear gives evil a place of powerful influence in his life. And you need to know that this can happen to me. It's that next blank. This can happen to me. What does that What does that mean? You listen to your fears long enough, and the Holy Spirit won't be an influence in your life. And evil will. You see, look, look, look at these next two passages. This first one's in Ephesians chapter 4, and I believe if you want to understand this passage better, you go back and look at King Saul's life, because this is a synopsis of what happened. It says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. That give a devil a foothold right there, if you go back to the Greek and you look at the Word, don't ask me what the Word is, or how to spell it, what it means is a place of influence. The way I like to think of it is when you go to sleep angry, and I believe other emotions will do the same thing if you go to sleep bitter. You end your day bitter, unforgiving. Somebody you need to forgive that has offended you, and you do not do it, and just continues on. You have given the devil a place of influence. If you picture a table at your mind, in your mind, and there's advisors advising you what to do, you have a, at that table sits the devil with a place of influence. Doing this gives him that type of influence. It comes across subtle. You may not even notice it. Okay? Here in Hebrews chapter 4, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, it's giving a warning. It says it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting, subjecting Him to public disgrace. Guys, what this is saying is if you repeatedly shut the Spirit's voice down in your life, you'll get to the point where you won't ever be able to change. And I believe when you look at King Saul's life, that's what it is. His, he, he, he got to the point where I don't, I don't believe he could ever change. I could be wrong about that, but he sure didn't prove me wrong. He died in his fears. And guys, you need to understand that. You have a choice when you're staring at your fear. You either respond to it in faith, or you're given evil a, a, an influence in your life. And you, you guys, you've got to look at it that way. The more you worry. Worry does not come from the Holy Spirit. So who are you listening to? See guys, I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't need to cover the full gamut of fears. Because I believe the Holy Spirit can show you those things. And I really hope, I hope this week, I pray, I'll pray about this here in just a minute. I hope this week you're driving down the road and you see a yield sign. And when you see that yield sign, it triggers you. And you go, who am I yielding to? The Holy Spirit? Or am I yielding to my fears? You see, guys, I've said this before. That's why we did a study on the Holy Spirit this summer, a whole series on it is because I believe this is a huge growth area for us here at Greater Alton. A huge, huge growth area. I already shared before when we did the series and I closed out the series here, and I asked if anybody has made a decision or is committed to walking in the Spirit, being full of the Spirit, living by the Spirit, just to send Tim or Alan or I a text or an email, just to let us know. We want to, we want to know that people are committed to this. We want to know that people are, are thinking about this. Because guys, this is a gift from God. Not everybody gets this. And I long for the days when people go through life not afraid. But instead living by the Spirit. We had one person text us. One person. And all that tells me, all I'm saying by that is, is it's not something we're conscious of. It's very easy to hear what's said here and to walk out the doors and forget about it. And guys, I hope, especially as you go through this series, you're able to see what your fears are and how you can defeat them by faith. So guys, I don't, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's influencing your life. If fears are influencing your life, I don't know what specific ones you are. But guys, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, and I want to beg you to start to recognize the fears in your life and to look for how the Holy Spirit is leading you for your faith to grow. Let's pray and we'll be done. Alrighty? Father... You are amazing. Father, I, I continue to be amazed by the work of Your Holy Spirit and the power of Your Holy Spirit and what it can do and will do when we yield to it. Father, there's people in this room right now that I know fear is an influence. Father, they may have been hurt and they fear forgiving. Or they fear being hurt again if they forgive. They fear the other person not, not being able to face justice. Well, there's people in this room who are worried about their finances and that dominates them. They dominate them by worry or it may dominate them by working hard and being scrooge and not being generous. Father, I don't know what all the fears are. You do. The people in this room hopefully can start to recognize their fears. And Father, I'm praying that Greater Alton becomes a place where living by Your Spirit dominates this group and not our fears. Fathers, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.